Good morning, you may be seated. Well, it's good to be with you this morning, to be in the house of the Lord, to sing his praises. Yet sometimes there's times in our lives when things aren't going as planned. For me, one of the most probably obvious and recent in memory happened in March 2020. You're probably guessing what that might entail. About a month before that, in February, we traveled with my family. My kids were involved in a basketball tournament in, in Hungary, in Budapest, had a great trip, got back. A couple weeks, weeks later, we went down to Moscow to play a sister school and a few basketball games, and it was only a week or two after that, and yes, you guessed it, COVID hit. Yeah, it uh, disrupted a few plans. We did not expect it, and life changed, at least for the time as we know it. And many of us were unprepared for it. And, you know, sometimes we, we may look back on that and think, well, could have I reacted in a different way? Could have I done something different? Was there something there for me um, that I could have done differently? And we're going to look this morning, as Pastor Kevin has already shared, into the book of James. James chapter 4, and, and see what James has to say about this in, in some verses that I've read many times, but in a lot of ways didn't take to heart because I didn't see their application for me. I, I thought they were good verses, but I, I didn't see where they applied for my life. But COVID changed all that, and through COVID I began to wrestle with God over these verses and begin to think, how do they apply to my life? So we're going to be talking about the Lord's will. But let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have so loved us, that you sent your one and only Son to save us. What an amazing, miraculous work that you've done. And Jesus, while you were on earth, you taught us to pray. You taught us to pray to the Father in heaven and to declare that his name is how it is, is, is holy and that your kingdom would come, that we trust that the kingdoms of this world will pass away eventually, but your kingdom is one that will stand forever. And then you taught us to pray that as your will be done on earth, that is, as it's being done in heaven. And Lord, we want to understand what that means, and we want to understand how to be your children to live under that will, even when at times it seems difficult or we don't understand what's going on. But help us to trust you as the Father in heaven, to lay our lives at your feet and to follow you day by day. So we give you all glory and ask that you would speak to us this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in preparing for this message, you know, I was looking into James, I was reading through the entire book of James, not just the passage that we're going to study this morning, and then looking at it and thinking about James also in the context of all scripture and, and kind of where it fits and, 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 and the writer and what's going on there. And I so I got thinking about the Old Testament and the book of Revelation, kind of grouping those together and thinking, you know, the Old Testament and, and the book of Revelation, they're kind of like the, the, I don't know if they have these, like the 10,000-piece puzzle, okay? You know, with 1,000-piece, 5, 10. There's, there's all these pieces, and on every little piece, you can see very clearly something. And so you have the prophetic word of the prophets, you have in Isaiah 53, the suffering servant and other declarations of where Jesus was to be born uh, in Bethlehem and all these pictures that are pointing forward to Christ. 
all in this mosaic of puzzle pieces that finally come together in the Messiah, in Jesus, when he comes to the world, right? So you have those, the books of the Old Testament. Then you have the New Testament, which I kind of see as like virtual reality. I've never done it, but it, it looks fascinating. It's kind of fun to watch people when they put on those goggles and you can see they're in a different world, right? They're, they're doing something, something's happening before their eyes. And, you know, the New Testament Gospels are like that to me. We, we step into the life of Jesus and we're able to see the miracles and we're able to hear his stories, him speaking about the kingdom of God and all of these things. And you're, you're, you're on your, you know, I am on pins and needles listening to the message and thinking, this is wonderful. And I think that's one of the reasons we go to the Gospels so often for messages is because we're walking with Jesus. We're, we're in his life, and it's like that 3D reality. And then we have the epistles or the letters that were written, many written by Paul, but others as well. And I kind of see the letters as being uh, us in an art gallery. So we lived in St. Petersburg, Russia for uh, over 20 years, and we have the Hermitage, and it has all the great Dutch masters, um, uh, it has uh, the Impressionists. I mean, we, we have all kinds of art. You just walk through and you're just amazed. And the New Testament letters are like that to me. You see pictures of the life of Christ that Paul describes and, and you see characters from the Old Testament. And then Paul or, or the other writers give you this mirror and say, okay, how do you match up? How is it looking for you? Is the church or, or the group of people, are you doing what you see in those pictures? Do you have the right picture and are you examining yourselves against that? And then we have James. What is James like? Well, you know, James is like, whoop, not up yet. It'll be up in just a moment. Yes, James is like a mirror maze. So we don't have an art gallery. We just have us in all these positions. We can see ourselves from every angle and sometimes not the best of angles. Yes, I don't know how I got that, but I took a picture. We see ourselves not always in a good light. But James doesn't spend time looking at, at the life of Christ. He's assuming that the believers already know the Lord. And now he wants to, them to examine themselves. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And just to give you a little foretaste, a, a little look into this, you know, James, um, th th there's, there's at least one part that I would call the easiest part of James. And that's James chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm going to go ahead and read it for you. This is the NIV version. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. That's the easiest part. The hard part comes, and it starts right after that in verse 2. In the NIV it says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's how James goes on. It goes all the way through chapter 5 to the last verse. That's how James brings it on. And so, you know, we have different names for characters from the Bible. You know, Thomas, unfortunately, got the name Doubting Thomas. And we, have, we have names that we, we associate with the characters of the Bible. I, after my study through James and looking through it intently, I'm calling him for myself Genuine James. He hits it no nonsense, hard-hitting, straight in your face. He's going to lay it on you. And... In verse 2, we can see that already. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. You know, there's very few of us that put pure joy and trials in the same sentence. And yet James does that for us. And it, it doesn't get any easier. So we're going to be looking at chapter 4. And in chapter 4, he doesn't go any easier on the believers. He gets into chapter 4 talking with them and says, you know, you have these quarrels, you have these dissensions, you're backbiting, you have all these problems. You know what the problem is? You've got pride. 
You've got pride in your life. And we heard some verses already this morning from there. If we're to humble ourselves before the Lord, He will pick us up. He will exalt us. But it's only in our humility that He will do that. And when we're in our pride, He will oppose us. And so James is explaining this to the believers and then tells them right before the passage we're going to read, stop, stop backbiting with one another. Stop looking down on one another. Stop doing these things that you're not supposed to be doing. And then comes our passage, and our passage seems to be a little bit different, and yet it's right in line with this idea of pride and humility. And so let's go ahead and look and open to James chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 13 through 17, the verses that we're going to study this morning, and then we'll look at them more closely. James writes the following. He says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Wow. Not an easy set of verses. Not verses we probably get up and say, I'm going to have a morning devotion on these. And yes, it it are some verses that I've been struggling with and wrestling with God about because COVID really brought it to the forefront that how do I live my life? How do I live in this world and plan things and do things and when things don't go the way I had planned, who do I rely on? What do I do about such things? And I know many of you have gone through the same experience, so it makes it very relatable for us this morning. Some of you have lost loved ones, and I am so sorry for your loss and the difficulty that you've walked through. My wife also ended up in the hospital, had a very uh, difficult time, and we struggled as a family and had to give her to the Lord, not knowing if she would return to us from the hospital. And all of us have faced things like this in life. And in fact, this past week, Uh, On Thursday, I was standing in the kitchen making some dinner, and I get a text from my son saying, hey, you know, Dad, I think there's an active shooter in the mall. So he works on the the, the tennis shoe row, if you will, on the north side of uh, the Mall of America, and up on the second floor, just around the corner, was where the shooting happened, just outside the Nike shop. He was downstairs, and he had to go out in the hallway and usher in some people, close their gate, hide in the back uh, of the store for an hour and a half, help calm some people down. That's not what he was planning to do that morning when he got up. He was planning to go to work and sell some shoes. That's what he does, and he's very good at it. But life changed in just a moment. And yet the Lord was gracious to give him peace, to help people, get them into the background, put them in that place, and take care of them for that bit of time while the unknown was happening outside of their walls. So the unknown happens to us so often. And rather than react to these situations how can we prepare in advance because i think that's what james is trying to get at he's trying to address not how we react to situations but how do we act in such situations so i want to look at verses 13 and 14 once again james says the following come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. 
You know, the first point I want to make this morning from these verses is pride is subtle, or it can be subtle. You know, if I just read these verses, and especially as a business guy, I, I, I've been overseas, I've done trading, I've, I've been in business and, and, and tried to make a profit. Sometimes that always, doesn't always work out. Um, but it seems like these verses are, are innocent. Verse 13, like, well, let's just say, yeah, we're going to go over here, we're going to spend some time there, we're going to do this or that. And yet pride is very subtle. You know, when I think of pride, I think of a, a loud, boisterous, arrogant type of pride, the stuff that I see come out of me from time to time, unfortunately, comes out of my own heart, and I wonder where does that come from. But, you know, when I was thinking about it uh, this week, I, I thought about Nebuchadnezzar. You know, he was, he was a, a, if you will, a king of kings. He, he, he ruled the world at that time. He had a magnificent palace, and yet the, the prophet Daniel comes to him uh, about the vision he had and, and warns him. He says, oh, king, I, I wish I didn't have to tell you this, but this is against you. And he listened to it, and a year later he forgot about it. And we see in Daniel chapter 4, verse 30, the following. It says this, And the king answered and says, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty? Wow, that's the pride that I think of when I think of pride. The straight in your face, I'm better than everyone else, I've done it by my hands, my work, that's the sort of pride I think about. And yet, in the very next moment, the Lord brought him down from his kingdom. He was out in the fields, eating grass like a wild animal. He, had been, he was out of his mind and no longer had his place in his kingdom. Until what time? Until he lifted his eyes to heaven. And he declared the following in Daniel 4.35. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? So whether pride is, is loud and boisterous or whether it is subtle, the result is the same. It leads us away from God and away from his will. And we are called as his people and his children to be in his will walking according to his will and not walking in pride in our own arrogance. You know, this phrase here, we will. How many times do we say that? We will. In fact, talking with some people after first service, I heard a lot of stories about plans that were made that just didn't come to be because of this or that situation. And I thought, wow, how applicable is this? Especially for me. How many of my plans get ruined or changed and how often do I walk in pride and need to be humbled before the Lord? Now, one of the things I want to say here before we get into the next section is one of the things that James is not saying is just sit back, take a seat, don't worry about anything, don't plan anything, don't think about anything, don't go out and try anything. That's definitely not what James is saying. Because he doesn't actually even address the second half of the verse. He addresses the first part of the verse when we say, we will, and then we have the, whatever that phrase is to follow, because for each one of us it's unique. And James doesn't address that. He addresses the first part, the we will part. And he says, no, that's not how you start the sentence. So let's go ahead and look at verses 15 and 16 once again. 
James says this, Instead, so instead of what we said before, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So he says, instead, we need to put at the front of that phrase, if the Lord wills. And so the second point I want to say here is, our will must be submitted to his will. In everything, our will must come under his will. It's not that we don't have any plans. It's not that we don't think about things. But in everything, when it comes to daily life and walking, we must be submitted to him. And how often have I seen that in my own life and in, in, in what happens when I'm not doing that? It's a disaster. You know, one of the verses I was thinking about as well, um, because I think... In this whole idea of if the Lord wills, one of the things that we get stuck on, one of the things that's difficult for us is when we think about it, we can in some ways become scared. Yeah, but what if the Lord's will is not what I want? What if it's going to be hard? What if it's going to be difficult? What if, it's, what if I don't like it? And so... In some ways, we can even try to avoid it because we're afraid of what may be in the Lord's will for us. And yet, in Ephesians, Paul writes in, verse one, in, in chapter 1, verse 5, he writes to us about the fact that God has predestined us for adoption in Christ Jesus. He's predestined us for adoption. And it says at the end of the verse, by the kind intention of his will. It was his will that we would be adopted, that we would have life, be a part of his family. So if he's already had that sort of intent, his will is to care for us, to give us life, to take us from death to life, how much more will he give us true life as we live in him? You know, this spring, um, I've had a, a, an experience once again that's brought these verses to the forefront. It really kind of opened them again for me. And as many of you know, I returned to Russia after my family and I came back here. Um, and so I had planned to go to Russia from May 6th through the 24th and bought the tickets, got all ready. And since the beginning of COVID, you know, my wife went to the hospital, my son had it, tested positive, and throughout all this time and testing, I never once tested positive. I believe I actually had it. There were some signs that I probably had it, but I never tested positive for it. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm just one of those people, one of the few that either doesn't have symptoms or they're very mild or whatever. And so in planning for this trip on May 6th through the 24th, a few days before, of course, before I get on the plane, I have to get my PCR test. And so I go in a little bit early just to be sure. And I tested positive for the first time in, in, in the last two years. And I thought, wow, whoa, like that's going to change plans. And of course it did change the plans. And instead of flying from the 6th to the 24th, I had to change my tickets due to timing and pricing and, and all of that from May 22nd through June 7th. So I had a whole different schedule, and yet that schedule... That new schedule allowed me to attend some events that I would not have been able to attend and to get to see some people that I would not have been able to see because of the change. Yet I could have looked at it and said, oh, 
God, what are you doing? I had a plan, 6th through the 24th. You saw it. But God had other plans. So May 22nd through June, uh, June 7th. And yet that wasn't it. That wasn't the end of the trip. So I get there and I have some business to take care of. It's really simple. I take my passport in, take a USB flash drive. They look at my passport. They put a new signature on it. I take it to my account. She now has an electronic signature to submit tax documentation. Great. Well, I got there and my passport wasn't in the system. They had my old passport. So I had to go to the notary. I got the notary signature and stamp and and a lawyer to draw this up for me. And so I turn in the form and by this time, I was getting wise to how things were happening with this whole trip thing. And so I called my travel agent and I said, well, book me for the 11th, but don't issue the ticket because I'm not paying for it until I know that actually the 11th of June is going to be the date. And of course, a few days before that, I get back to the tax office, my passport, my thing, and uh, once again, problems at the tax office. So I resubmitted the documents again, and it wasn't until June 19th, four weeks to the day, that I was flying back to the States. And yet, in those two weeks, I saw the Lord work in miraculous ways because the first two weeks of my time there was spent clearing out our apartment of 21 years and taking care of business at the school and the other places I had to, and I was literally canceling meetings with people left and right. But with the extended two weeks, I got opportunities to meet with people that I would not have been able to meet. And I know from my own heart, it was a complete and utter blessing in that it was the Lord who had directed my steps. You know, Proverbs says in 16.9, says the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. You know, when we're trusting in God, even though our plans may not go as we had designed them, the Lord can lead us and establish our steps in the way that we walk to follow after him. And yet the second verse here in verse 16, you know, what is it? It's the problem with the verse before is that we boast in our arrogance. We think we're in control. We think we can control things in this world, which got me thinking those two words, boasting and arrogance. And I thought, where else have I come across that? And in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, famous verse, it says the following, love is patient, Love is kind. The two positives, right? But then right after that it says, it does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant. So when we boast in our own pride and our own arrogance, we are not walking in the spirit of love. We are not walking in the way of the Lord. We're walking in the flesh and in our own ways. And that's not what God calls us to do. He is calling us to be a people after his own heart for his own glory. Let's read verse 17. James doesn't let up on us. He keeps it going. James 4.17 says this, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. James, wait a minute here, man. I know you're all genuine. You're all like up in our face, hard-hitting. We've just dealt with the fact that we say this one thing, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, or we will do this. And you're teaching us, no, we've got we to align this with the Lord's will. If the Lord wills, then we'll do this or that. And now you hit us in the face with what? So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him is sin? And that brings us to our third point. And that is, plans for tomorrow should not stop us from doing good today. You know, we can get caught up in the future and the thought about what we will be doing and how we'll be doing it that we can lose sight of the very good 
that the Lord wants us to do here and now. And what I love about this word that's used here in Greek, it, one of the, the translations or meanings is an outward sign of inward good. So when the Lord is doing good in our heart, when He is performing surgery on us and cleansing and cleaning out and clearing out the junk that we have held in our heart, then there is a place where His love can abide and out of that can come good things. Without it, good things can't come from there. But with Him, good things can come from there. And so we need to be aware of that. We need to be thinking about that. And I loved what Ben said a couple of weeks ago about upcycling. You know, we talked about Ephesians 2.10, that, that God has prepared us as His people, He has saved us and He's prepared us as His people to do good works, to bring Him glory. And that's what we want to do as a people. But it needs to be in conjunction with His will and His desire for our lives. And then James adds this piece on the end. He says, who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. So why is it sin? Well, that's an opportunity for another sermon or your own personal Bible study. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that your word is living and it's active more powerful than a two-edged sword, that it digs deep, Lord. It separates the things of the heart, the spirit and the soul. Lord, we want to be your people. We want to live according to your word, and we want to abide in you. And Lord, as plans in this world and this life get mixed up, as things don't go as, as they seem, Lord, help us to seek you. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you and what it is that you would have for us and not to miss the opportunities of today where the good that you've performed in us, the heart surgery you've had upon us could be shared with others around us to share your goodness in your life, to not be upset at the things around us and miss the opportunity that you have for us for today. Help us to trust you, to know that your will for us is good and holy and pure, that it was by the kind intention of your will that you adopted us as sons and daughters. Help us to live as such, to love you, and to share you with the world around us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.